welcome to the Your Confident Self Podcast with Allegra Sinclair. Get ready to punch fear in the throat and gain confidence like never before. I help corporate women get the confidence to ask for the job they want and do the work they love. Isn't it time you got unstuck and showed the world how fabulous you are? Hey, this is Allegra. Welcome to this week's episode of the podcast. I am excited as I always am, but this week I am super excited because fire, just straight fire is coming. My guest today is a certified life coach, author, and speaker, and she has written a book called Take the Trip Four Journeys Every Every Midlife Woman Needs to Live in Purpose and Freedom. C. Renee Washington is the creator and founding partner of Career Triage HQ. Her company provides coaching services to help women find the work that lights them on fire and helps them pivot when things haven't gone as planned. She's known around the world for proclaiming, living, and coaching women to let stuff go. She's been featured several times on morning talk shows. When she's not coaching clients, you can find her hanging out with her favorite person, her hubby, watching juicy TV dramas and cooking in more ways than one. I am super excited to welcome to this week's episode of the podcast, C. Renee Washington. Hi, Renee. Hello, Allegra. Oh, I am so joyfully glad to be with you. I am excited to talk with you. The book, let me just say this was a little bit of everything. Everything! (laughs) Everything! (laughs) I loved so much about it. But tell me, what made you decide to write the book? And what made you decide to write the book right now? So the short answer to that question is, I love books. I I have been reading since before I can remember, and I have been a, a, a bookworm, book fanatic, all the book things. And, you know, I was just a consumer of books. And, you know, within the past few years, I started to think, you know, I want to write a book. Why can't I write a book? I should write a book, you know, all of those <laughs> things. <laughs> but then can I really write a book? And... I really wanted to do it to prove that I could, to prove that I could do it. I, I love mm-hmm. to test myself in different ways. It scared me to, you know, think that I really could do it. And when something scares me, that's a sign. Move towards it. Move towards it. When, you know, it's particularly when it's something that scares you, that's not going to kill you. So, but will elevate your life. Why not do it? Oh, I love that. When something scares me, move toward it. Now, around here, we talk a lot about punch and fear in the throat. <laughs> oh, I love that. <laughs> Which is similar, though, it gave my mom such horror. She's like, oh, could you be a lady? And I'm like, ladies can punch people in the throat. That's right. Do it with, do it with your pinky extended. Make sure your nails are done. You can punch someone in the throat in a very ladylike way. Exactly. Hey, this is Allegra, and I have a really exciting announcement. Several months back, I was checking my analytics for my podcast and I noticed that I had passed the 100,000 download mark. And I put a note in my planner to put together some sort of celebration to thank all of my listeners for helping me reach this milestone. And then I blinked and six months had passed. Why am I telling you this? Because there are two phases to my celebration and both of them will benefit you 
my awesome listeners. Phase one, I'm going to do an all Q&A episode. So the last episode in the month of February will be me answering all of the questions that you submit. How can you submit a question? It's really easy. You can send me an email at podcast at allegrativity.com or you can go to the website at allegrativity.com slash QA and you can record your question right there. You can record a short question and then I'm going to answer it for you live on the show. So that is phase one. I'm going to do an entire episode that is dedicated to answering the questions that you have. Phase two, which I'm going to tell you more about next week, is we're actually going to have a contest where there's going to be a couple different things that you can do to help me celebrate the milestone, and then you're going to win prizes. What kind of prizes? Mugs, t-shirts, books, subscriptions to Audible, and a big old whopping $500 coupon sponsored by one of my other clients who wants to open up the world of coaching to one of you. So, how do you get started, go to allegrativity.com slash QA to record your question or send me an email to podcast at allegrativity.com to submit your question. I will gather up all the questions and then answer them in the last episode that I'm publishing in February, 2023. Then for phase two, all you need to do is make sure you're on my email list. You can make sure that you're subscribed to the email on that same page, allegrativity.com slash QA. You'll want to make sure you're on my email list because when I open up the phase where you can start doing little fun activities in order to get entries into the overall prize drawings, that is how I'm going to communicate it through my email. But I love that when something scares me, I move toward it. That is fascinating. We're going to poke that a little bit more. But one of the things that struck me immediately in the book was a story you told about um, being at an optometrist and looking at glasses and encountering a woman who was trying to make a glasses decision. So what was magical for you about that story and the particular color you were encouraging her to buy? Oh, yes. So, yes, my favorite optical shop that I love too much because <laughs> the glasses ain't cheap, but they are fly. <laughs> you can never have too many. Oh, right? you cannot. I cannot. <laughs> and I happened to be in there one day and there was a, another woman in there, a black woman of a certain age like me who, <laughs> who was trying on glasses and she put on these red glasses. And I was, I said to her, I don't, I don't know where I just said, Oh, you need to get those. <laughs> and she said, really? Because she had a black pair also. She had a red and she had the red pair on. And she said, really? You don't think these are too much? I said, no, no, those glasses are popping. Those are the ones you need to get. She said, oh, well, you know, I like them, but my friends may, you know, they may talk about me. I said, talk about mm. you. Y'all said they're going to talk about how good you look. That's what they're going to say. And she immediately went into this thing about, you know, I do like these glasses and, you know, I, you know, I have been wanting to um, do some, take some more risk in my life. She said, I used to do things and go places and do a lot of things, but lately I haven't. And I, and I, you know, I don't know why. And she just kind of went, went on this tangent of her life being less than what she really wanted it to be. And that she had been afraid to 
to kind of, you know, move into that. And I said to her, that's exactly why you need to get the glasses. And her daughter was with her. She, you know, her daughter was with her, you know, an adult woman. And, you know, this for me, you know, what we model for each other, particularly as black women is so important and particularly for our da- our daughters to, um, you know, not just tell them about being all that they want to be, but to show them that this is true. And I'm going to go off on a little tangent here, Allegra. I'll go with you. Okay. Okay. Cause this, <laughs> this is something that has happened within the past few weeks. I am okay. 61 years old. And in, uh, there's this meme going around about, oh, I, I, I'm getting my nanny. I'm getting my chef. I'm, I'm, you know, all these things. This is, this, this is a young woman saying this in the, in the meme and I'm not, you know, and I don't care what, um, judgy older black women say about that or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, listen to that going, what? (laughs) Wow. Yeah. 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 And so I responded, somebody posted this on Facebook and I responded and I, and I, and I said, well, let me just tell you, I'm an older black woman, not judgy because I'm living my best life too, is basically what I was said. And I posted a picture of how I celebrated my 60th birthday and uh, took, you know, I went to France and Morocco for two weeks and took a crew of my girls girlfriends with me and I surprised them by throwing my own birthday party in Paris. I hired a band. We did a second line across the Seine River. Oh my Lord. Yes. Yes. So I'm like, what kind of, what, what older black women you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I am throwing shoes at the computer yeah, right now. I'm like, teach us Renee, teach <laughs> Uh, and I'm like, you know, you may be talking about your mamas, but your mama may fool you. You may not really know your mama. Yes. <laughs> so, you knew mama when she was trying to raise up her family. Thank you don't you. know mama. Thank in you. Thank you. Yes. And so I will circle back to the woman in the optical shop because I'm like, I'm, that's, that's what I want women, particularly women over 50 to know. And I want women younger than 50 to know that there's no ceiling on your life unless you place the ceiling on it and i and and i was listening to a podcast the other day from another uh, black woman who probably i'm gonna guess is in her late 30s and she was talking about doing something i can't remember what it was some goal she was setting for herself and she said i may do it by the time i'm 60 but ooh, i'll be really old then <laughs> And so Mercy. Once, once again, and I, you know what, and I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure that when I was in my thirties, I had the same thoughts too. Like, oh, my mom's so old and that kind of thing. But, but I'm just, I just wanted that woman in the optical shop to know we do there- not have to um, dial ourselves out of life and, and wear the red glasses because we message ourselves in all kinds of ways. And so I'm, I'm huge on messaging. So wear the popping glasses because that's going to, that's signaling your brain to, to tell yourself something about yourself. And so we need to do that in every way possible. So yes, I wonder, and I, I left the optical shop. I don't know if she got, got the glasses. <laughs> I hope that she did, but that story stayed with me. That story stayed with me. 
There was so much good stuff in that. I could not write fast enough. Girl, I told you I have carpal tunnel. And here you are just dropping bomb after bomb after bomb. And I can't, my little hand cannot keep up. That was so delicious. So let me try to back up just to poke a couple of things because that was a magical exchange. And I want to believe she bought the red glasses. I do too. I want to believe her adult daughter looked at her mom like, yeah, get the red glasses, mom. I just want to believe with everything because just you giving her permission and she doesn't even know you, but just her, you giving her permission to wear the glasses was shifting stuff for her just in that moment. Because then she went on to talk about how she felt like she was living less than, or she was like dulling her glow. And, um, oh, that was just, or she was living a life that was less than what she wanted. That is deep. That's like goosebump deep. That, that pain of that not living full out was so top of mind for her that she was okay spilling that to a stranger. Absolutely. And, right? and, 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 and don't we find ourselves there often that when we are open and we can run into people just randomly, but yes, to be open because you never know how, what you're doing, what you're saying, um, how you are receptive to someone else, how, how that can really impact and influence their lives and, and how you can be influenced by someone else. And mm-hmm. so when we are sitting in our own crap, you know, worried and, you know, you know worried about who we are and, and why aren't we this and that, all that self, that imposter syndrome crap and feeling like not enough all, you know, all these lies that we tell ourselves because partly because our brain is kind of wired for that. Mm-hmm. But but to, to be able to move through that and to really own the complexity of who you are and, and to know that we are enough and that we have so much to offer and that that doesn't end until we are dropped in the ground or however we're going to make our transition, that 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 we don't need to, to take ourselves out of life. That is so, so powerful. I mean that, Oh, that is just so powerful. I just had to absorb that for a moment because I keep hearing in my ears. So I have a dear friend, one of my tribe who I'm always talking to on Voxer and I can't remember what it was, but something within the last week or so, she, I kept hearing her saying she couldn't do this or she couldn't do Mm. that. And I said to her, I feel like you need a permission slip. So let me just be your living permission slip today to tell you, go ahead and do the dang thing. (laughs) She immediately voxed me back and she was like, I love that you called yourself. We are each other's living permission slips. And that is so powerful because what the woman with the glasses said was, oh, are they too much? See, the question means I like them. And for me, they feel perfect. But I just wonder if the world will accept me. Exactly. In red glasses. And then her next thought was, oh, what her friends talk about? Well, maybe, sis, but that gives me two questions for you. One, do you really care? Mm -hmm. And two, mm, should they be your friends? (laughs) Who are your people? Exactly. (laughs) Who are your people? Right. Now, I have oh, several months back, I just heard of those shoes Crocs. I know they're everywhere. People don't at me. Y'all love me through this. Don't at me. I had never had Crocs. Wow. And I said, well, I think it's like Birkenstocks. Black people don't wear Crocs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, wait for it. So I mentioned it in my Voxer tribe. And how about every other woman in there had Crocs except yeah. me? 
I was like, wait, is this like a secret thing where y'all excluding me? Why do I not have any? So my Crocs are pink with flowers all over them. So, so what if they talk about exactly. it? It gives you joy. Exactly. I wish I would stop doing things because I think my friends might talk about me. I don't care. I don't because care. Because at right. the end of the day, my friends will talk and laugh and love. Exactly. Those are your people. Mm-hmm. Those are your people. And so, and this, because this is another thing we do is that we, we change, we grow, and we think that whoever was on our front row 20 years ago, that we have to keep them there. Mm-hmm. They have to yeah. earn the right to stay on the front row. I have yes. to earn the right to stay on your front row. Yes. You know, I have to, you know, if, if, if I, what I, what I'm serving up, no longer, you know, aligns with who you are. Okay. Because if what you're serving up no longer aligns with what I am, you moving back some roles and you might move out the building. Mm-hmm. So we, we have to just be honest with ourselves about that because life is difficult. Life is hard and we need to be able to support ourselves. And part of that supporting ourselves is who are the people that we allow in our space of vulnerability? Who? Mm. that's good in our space of vulnerability. I can't remember who said it. It was somebody on Instagram and I think it might've been MC light, but she said <laughs> that we needed to, it's so, I, I have the it. randomest feed. I love it. I, follow, I love that. I follow everybody from like real talk. Kim, she's the pastor. I think she's in Georgia. I've never met her, but she's fire. I follow like, I have a very eclectic <laughs> Instagram feed, but I think it was MC Light, and she said that we need to raise the needed to raise the price of the tickets for people to get access to us. Yes, I was like, do you know I printed that out? Oh, I'm writing <laughs> that down because I love quotes and I, I love that. that. <laughs> oh my goodness, I'm looking at it right now over the top of my computer computer monitor. You need to raise the price of tickets for people to have access to you because your tribe, your circle, will gladly pay the price, and they even get a coupon. Right. Yes. But everybody doesn't just get to be in your what did you call it? your space in of vulnerability. A, yes. That's not a given. It's That's not. A, it's mm-hmm. not. You know, Brene Brown talks about that. You know, and she love. Says, yes. And she says people have to earn the right to your vulnerability. So, you know, yes. And that is so true. You know, we're in this time of sharing every doggone thing. You know, mm-hmm. out loud on a big platform, you know, all these mm-hmm. social media platforms, we, you know, a lot of people share all of their stuff and that's fine. And we also have a choice about that. We don't mm-hmm. have to share everything with everybody. And mm-hmm. so we, but, but it is good to share, but be very careful about that. At, at who gets, who, who has earned the right to your vulnerability? Yes. And I also think about it this way. Who has invested in me? Yes. And who have I invested in? Because once you're in my circle, that is a sacred space for both of us. That means something very specific to both of us. And everybody doesn't get that. Yes. Right. I mean, everybody doesn't understand that. And everybody also doesn't get access to that same. Absolutely. My, my, so. my best friend, when she read the book, she said, she said, this is really good. She said, and you could have made it a whole lot juicier. I said, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Meaning yeah, what? Right. She's the person I would have to kill, you know, because she knows <laughs> I- <laughs> 
or she's the person who you know got you if bail is required. Yeah, exactly. Right. We 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 have an agreement. We don't do prison. So yes. <laughs> I love that. One of the reasons why I really love the red glasses story was I think there's something powerful about the color red. So a couple of years back, I did this podcast episode, No Lie, and it was all about the power of a red bra because, mm. you know, everything else in the world, you know, you can be looking, you know, quote unquote, corporate appropriate or whatever. Mm. But if you know what's going on underneath, that gives you like an extra boost of confidence. Yes. But, and I still love my sassy, you know, unexpected bras. But I think the red glasses are even more powerful because people can see it. Yes. Right. And it is out there and it's a signal to other people about how confident you are and who you are and how you feel about yourself. Absolutely. I um, have been, you know, I can be, I'm loud. I just, I'm loud. <laughs> and, 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 and so it is so weird that I own that now because as a child, I was the exact opposite. I was so shy and uh, detached and quiet and now I am loud. My, you know, my sister, my husband, she's so loud. You're so loud. You know, they're telling me that all the time. Okay. I have stuff to say. And the loudness comes out in different ways. So, yes, I wear, I wear, I have red glasses. I have all kinds of glasses. They're bold glasses. I, you know, in the way that I dress, I wear big ear bangers. I just don't wear earrings. I wear ear bangers. You know, I'm loud. I take up space and I believe, mm -hmm. and I believe that um, again, particularly as, as black women, as women of color, we need to claim our space and take up space, have whatever that looks like for you. It may not be, you know, speaking out, you know, speaking loudly. It may not be writing a book. It may not be, you know, whatever, but whatever your way is to show up fully as you do that take up your space. I, I went on a um, girlfriend trip. We went to Greece and, you, you know, and your girlfriends take for we real roll, trips. We roll. I'm yes, like we roll. Paris, yeah, Morocco. <laughs> we roll, we roll. And on this particular trip, we were going to celebrate, um, you know, we, we call ourselves the Vivas. And so the Vivas, we went on this trip to Greece to celebrate one of the Vivas birthdays. And one of the Viva husbands was brave enough to come with us. <laughs> and, and Bless his heart. I know he was so cool. And on the plane, I, I was, we were separate. He, he and his wife were separated. So I went back to say something to him on the plane and I noticed he was sitting in the middle and he's a tall guy, you know, well over six feet. And he was sitting in the middle seat with his leg. He was doing the man spread thing. Mm -hmm. And I just, when I saw that, I was like, look at him. He's like, <laughs> he's taking up the space. Like, you know, this is what men do. They take up the space, you know, that, you know, he said like, this is my seat. This is where I'm sitting. And when we took this boating trip uh, on that, on that trip and, and people had claimed these seats and we did, they got the good seats in the middle. We were on the, on the outside of the boat. And when they stopped and people got off, he went and grabbed those good seats in the middle. <laughs> and so I paid mad. attention to that. Yeah. So, you know, this, this is what we as women need to do too claim our space and stop being, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I can accommodate, but what are you accommodating? Ooh, say more about that. Yes, because we accommodate at the expense of ourselves. We mm -hmm. accommodate at the expense of what we really want. We accommodate at the expense of our desires. 
we, we accommodate in the service of, of putting other people's priorities first. And, and a lot of us don't even have ourselves on the priority list because we think that, you know, it's not good to be selfish. You know, we're not, we don't want to put too much um, focus on ourselves because we are here to serve others. I believe that walking and moving fully as myself is beneficial to anyone that comes in contact with me. And so I, what, what I know about women is this, when we do focus on our true desires and that, that, that thing, we, that dream that we've been, that we need to pull out the drawer, when we pull it out and we live in it, it's not a solo journey. I haven't met the woman yet who isn't bringing a crew of people with her in whatever Ooh. she's trying to manifest. What? What? Louder for the people in the back. Yeah. That was- <laughs> <laughs> I have not. I have not. Wow. When we roll in our passion, when we roll in our purpose, oh, we bringing people with us. The miracle of that is that we get... I'm not going to say brainwashed, but the message we get, the story that we're told is the opposite. of Yes. I believe what you just said, that when women stand in what it is that they're really trying to do, that their success brings a whole village with them. I believe that because you talked about how you living full out affects every person you come in contact with. But I say, okay, yes, that and because it affects every person you come in contact with and every person they come in contact with. Yes. Because if you have had a transformational moment, right? I talked about this a couple of weeks ago. If there are some changes that happen in life that are temporary, I could lose 10 pounds. Mm. I could gain those 10 pounds back. Mm. I don't know why I keep using that example. I should stop telling that story, (laughs) but (laughs) there are some other changes that can't be unchanged. Mm. So when you have changed someone, then they're different. And then that changes the people they come in contact with. So absolutely that grows far beyond your decision to be who you really are. It's the ripple. It's the ripple. Yes. Yes. And yes. And I, and I believe that. And so what we, what we tend to do though, is because, you know, women have been so conditioned and and it's part of our nature to be, you know, the nurturers, the caretakers, the tenders, the befrienders. We know that. Um, and we get into that, you know, looks like obligation. That looks like should. Um, mm. That looks like ought. And and those shoulds, oughts, that obligating li- live, it becomes exhausting at a certain point. It becomes exa- exhausting. And in that exhaustion, exhaustion, we become resentful. We become frustrated. We are unhappy. And so we are slogging through all these committees we've joined, all these, um, you know, uh, uh, groups we lead, all these, you know, what we, uh, sister so-and-so, you know, we can't do this without you. Really? Mm. You know, you know, and the flag is, are you dreading it? Do you dread being a part of it? If you love it, that's one thing. But if there's dread, if there's resentment, if you are externalized on the thing, that's a message for you that it may be time for you to bless somebody else with that opportunity to be a part of that thing. That maybe this is the closing of a chapter. When I was in corporate, great career, 
loved it for many years. The last few years were miserable because, and my husband, who was then fiance at the time, and I was praying and praying and praying and praying to God, um, please, uh, you know, I've got a few more years before I can officially retire. Please just let me, my attitude change. You know, I, I want to stay here and, and, and ride this out. And I, the more I prayed, the more miserable I became. And I was, God, what, what, what's going on? <laughs> what? What's going on here? <laughs> um, uh, um, excuse me, Jesus. Yes. Um, yes. Do you hear me? Not for nothing. Yes. Lord, excuse me, Lord. Um, yes, yes. And so, so I did not. So I said, if you don't mind, sir. Yes, please, please. So yeah, so I, you know, I, so I expressed that to my fiance. I said, why, why am I not? You know, why can't I? You know, get through this. And he said to me, maybe God is packing your bags. Mm. Maybe God, and that was, bam, exactly. Yes. Mm-hmm. This chapter was closing and see, I was working off you know, the terms that somebody external to me had set. And I realized the, the official retirement criteria had changed three times during my tenure there. And I'm, I'm rolling up on, on 29 years and they had changed the criteria three times. And so, yes, three more years was not going to happen. So then I flipped my prayer to, okay, Lord, if I'm supposed to close this chapter now, show me the way. And the path cleared for me to leave then. I re- I retired early on my terms. <laughs> so Re- you wrote, rewrote it. The uh, yes, <laughs> yes, exactly. For myself. And, and yes. this is what we do. We, we hold ourselves in these boxes and constraints based on somebody else's determination of what we should be doing. Who said, who said, and so, mm-hmm. yeah, that was when, that was the, when I really began to click into God as my source, God is my source. And so I surrender to that. When you changed your mind, right? When mm-hmm. you kind of shook off all these other people's expectations mm. or rules or changing policies. Mm. Um, and s- when you changed what you were asking, you were like, Hey, make it change my mind, change my attitude. You said change my attitude so yes. that I can stay in this place where I'm miserable. For yes. a long time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but that, what that's correct. Was, that is absolutely was, correct. Um, Lord, give me more patience and stamina to stay in this situation that's making me miserable for a longer period of time. Absolutely. And then you changed your mind and your request to, oh, okay. So if you are packing my bags and just make it plain, yes. right? Shine a light on how I get out of here. Yes. And you talked about freeing yourself from other thoughts. Now I could be putting words in your mouth, but Another, you know what? I realized I didn't say the name of the book yet. All right, y'all. So I was so excited. I jumped in. The book is called Take the Trip, Four Journeys Every Midlife Woman Needs to Live in Purpose and Freedom. But when you're talking about freeing your mind, I thought to myself, is that what you meant by free your mind and your butt will follow? Yeah, that's ex- you know, that's exactly it. Because you know what? Because so, you know, I I was framing it as, this company is making me miserable. 
I was, you know, and I, I talk about my first marriage in the book, you know, this marriage is making me miserable. And what I realized, particularly, you know, you know, we're talking about the, the career thing was that I, it, it, the other epiphany I had was there are a hundred people that would be glad to sit in my seat. Yes. This is not about the company. Yes. Things, some things have changed, but we know we can, we can externalize a thing and find all and poke all the holes in it, but it wasn't about the job. It was about me. I had changed. I had changed. And I was trying to fit myself into a box, a paradigm that no longer fit me, that I no longer was wearing well. I had worn it well for many years, loved it, grateful for it, blessed by it. Now it was time for me to move into a new life chapter. And I had to own that. So the company wasn't making me miserable. I was making myself miserable. And, and this, is, this is what I really want um, women to understand is that the source of our frist- frustration, the source of our angst, the source of our unhappiness, it's shine the internal lens on it. It's always an inside view. That's where you will find your answers. Mm. That's tough. And it's great at the same time. It is tough because it's hard to swallow that I'm, that I'm making myself miserable yes. or that I am miserable because of me. That doesn't feel good, right? It Our doesn't. natural instinct is to point to somebody else mm-hmm. because why would we want to cause ourselves pain? Right. But the magic of that is, is if I'm doing it to myself, then I can stop. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so I thought it was bad news to find out that, oh, wait, it's not all these different companies that I'm going to. Right. I'm still me and I'm going to all these different companies and I'm doing better at each company than the last one, but I'm still miserable. Wait, it's not me. <laughs> Wait, it's not them. It's me. Yeah. <laughs> well, oh, well, then if it's me, then I can quit that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but it's there. It takes a lot of time. And one of the things I find I work with um, a lot, I'll say professional women. Some of them are in big corporations, some mm-hmm. of them are in small companies, but I'll just say women who are um, trying to build a career outside of their homes. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I find often, and I work with all sorts of different women, different age groups, different ethnicities, but it's a woman thing. We are so conditioned from a young age to focus on others mm-hmm. that sometimes when clients come to me, they won't even know why it is they're miserable. There's just exactly. this like underlying, I'm unhappy, um, I'm stressed. There's just this thing they can't put their finger on that is not working for them. And then as we start to kind of unearth some things and look at some things, it becomes apparent that they aren't as in touch with who they are as they would like to be. Yes, that that yes, that is probably the most powerful question that I ask clients is who are you without role or title? And that's that's good. Say that again. Who Who are are you you without role or title? And that stumps so many women. It brings many to tears. Who are you without role or title? Because they don't think of themselves outside of mom, employee, uh, volunteer, you know, spouse, girlfriend, whatever it is. They don't think of themselves outside of that. Because they are so invested in, like you said, in being in service to others. And they will say, I don't know. I don't know who I am. I've never thought about that. 
that's the deep thought. I've never yes. thought of that. And I feel that. So, so it's not um, a surprise that so many of us get disconnected from what we really want and who we really are, because a lot of people just follow a path that was set before them. Absolutely. They do what they see. They do what they think they know, or they do what they know. They could Absolutely. legitimately understand that, but it is not a surprise. And one of the things um, in my living permission slip rule that I always make sure I talk about with my clients is it's okay to not know. It's okay to have a lot and be grateful for that and want something different at the same time. Sometimes we just need anybody to reach out to us and say, hey, buy the red glasses. Yes. We just need somebody in that moment to see us. And tell us that who we are is okay. And that we they want more of us. Because yeah. red glasses is more of who that woman was. I hope she bought those glasses. I hope she did too. Would I it be a miracle did. if she like listened to the show and like sent me a note and said, I bought the glasses. Oh, oh, that, oh my gosh. Bye. That would be amazing. <laughs> that would be amazing. And, 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 you oh. know, and, and the day of reckoning comes for, for women it, and it, it comes in the middle years when you are moving into menopause and that was when that was when I learned you know what was going on because I I moved into this space of of just confusion and wanting to disappear and and just disconnect from everything and I didn't understand what was going on and I found out that I was in full-blown menopause and so me I'm a reader so there's there's got to be a book on this and so (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, I I found the book, The Wisdom of Menopause. And I the the I can't the one thing that I can tell you I got out of that book was because yes, as we've said, we we are we are just genetically coded to to be caretakers and nurturers, but and we do that through these early years into the middle years, but then the day of reckoning comes where you have you realize that. You have suppressed a lot of things. You've suppressed mm-hmm. a lot of desires. You present pre- have have um, suppressed your needs. And what sh- what she says in the book is, what has been suppressed is going to come up. And so I, you know, and that's why I said, what has been suppressed must be addressed. You can no longer deny it. It's going to keep nudging at you, nudging at you, and 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 sticking you and pricking you. And this is why. You know, we have this term midlife crisis, which I don't think of it. It can feel like a crisis, but really what it is, is a reawakening. If you mm-hmm. own it, if it's, it's a reawakening for you to now, because, you know, all of those years, like, you know, when, like you just said, you know, maybe you have followed this path that something was suggested to you, or you were encouraged to do this, what you didn't really know why you were doing it. Those years aren't wasted. I, I do not feel that that my first marriage was wasted. I don't feel like my, I chose the wrong career. Nothing is wasted. Nothing is wasted. And so all that came before now is for me to, okay, what, what's my next? What's my next? You know, what, what can I use from where I've been to get me to where I need to be? And for me, in those, you know, that, that midlife reawakening, okay, why am I really here? What's my purpose? You know, what really lights me up? What do I want to pursue for these next however many years I have on this planet? 
And, you know, that's, you know, I went into coaching and I, you know, I focus on, on women and I want to live my, you know, my top three values are faith, freedom, and passion. And I want to live life as full out as possible. And I want to bring as many with women with me as possible because we all know what I want us all to connect to. What is your personalized brand of freedom? Because it's going to look different than mine. I coached a woman who was an admin at a, at a law firm and was unhappy because her whole life was in service to other people's priorities. She had an uh, adult son still at home. She was not happy at work. She was, she was really a, um, a, a great worker in the church. And that was starting to, to, to nudge at her because she was always there for everybody. Everybody knew they could call her and she would show up. And she said, when is it going to be my time? When is it going to be my time? And so through the coaching that we did, she learned how to say no. She learned how to say no. And what she ended up doing, she ended up quitting her job and moving five states away to live in the same city as another son who had grandchildren because that was her big dream was to live around her grandchildren. And when Mm. I tell you she was a humble, she's a humble, giving, caring person, beautiful person who her big dream was to live around her grandchildren. And she shut down. And I would, I mean, it shocked me. She, she um, texted me a few months later and said, you you know, I just want to tell you how much you helped me. And this is what I'm doing. I was like, wow, she upended her whole life. And so we, you know, we can think that, oh, living your best life has to be some, you know, big, you know, uh, traveling around the world and all this kind of stuff. It could be that, or it could be that you want to live in the city with your grandchildren. Mm-hmm. What does it but look you like for you? That. You yeah. get to define it. Yes, mm-hmm. you get to define it. Define it. What does that look like for you? That's what I want women to connect to. Is that go in, go in. What are your deepest desires? And you just want to be sure that they are your desires. Because, like I said, see, she ended up in a city with with another one of her children helping with grandchildren. So. She didn't end up in a city like, this is all about me. I'm leaving everybody behind. No. She is still serving and giving, but she's doing it on her terms. Which is why it will be so much more satisfying. Yes. Part of the, I won't say the drama, but part of the disconnect that comes between um, just leaving yourself empty every day, building other people's dreams, is that that never feels all the way good. It's like, yes, not for nothing. If anybody likes this, don't at me again. I'm always saying stuff. And I'm like, yeah, don't come at me with that. Ice milk. I'm sorry. It's not ice cream. If you want ice cream, eat the daggone ice cream. Hello. Satisfying, right? Hello. It's like when you're always making other people's dreams come true, it's all, it's not all the way satisfying. It's not. Exactly. I'd eat rather have a the little ice cream. Yes. Eat the butter. I, I don't want well, my I do ghee. I do ghee. Yeah, it's, well, have yeah. you tried ghee? Yeah, I have Girl, tried ghee. I like mm-hmm. ghee too. Yes, I like ghee too. Butter. But yes. I mean get the full get the fullness yes. of, of yes. the thing. Yes. Mm-hmm. Don't get the Not fake thing. Fake oh yeah, don't get the <laughs> fake thing. Get the fullness of the thing. 
here's the thing. I think that somewhere in us, it has been tamped down. It has been pushed yes. down over the years. I mean, stuffed down. Um, I have a dear friend and we used to talk about how different we are now that we're women of a certain age than we were before. And it was like before something would just not feel right to you, but you'd stuff it. Mm. Get busier, you'd buy more purses, mm, you'd buy more mm. shoes, you'd buy bad bunny crocs before they sold out. You know, you would do all sorts of external things to to try to do away with the fact that something just was not right. Exactly. Something was not working. But if you're not ready to deal with that, oh, we can get real creative. <laughs> right? About finding ways to avoid it. Man, we are creative masters of avoidance. But I think one of the reasons why we avoid is we don't trust. Oh, so, ourselves. so, yeah. So, you know, I've got four journeys, right? The, you know, one is surrender. One is trusting myself. One is loving myself and one is passion. And yes, surrendering to trusting yourself, Allegra, it is so powerful. And, and I, when I moved into entrepreneurship, you know, this was something that I had never done before didn't have a family history of, of, of being around people who had done it. And so it was totally new to me. So what do I do? I go seek experts who can show me how to do it. And I sought so many business coaches that I lost myself in it. I lost oh, myself in it. All the different. And, yes. Oh yeah. Do this, do that, do this, do that. And I stopped listening to myself and when, and I almost gave it up. I almost said, Oh, this is not for me. I can't do this. Or, you know, and when I clicked into, because listen to the inner compass, I'm a huge believer in the body compass and how we have that in, intuitive inner knowing, that, in, that internal compass that will guide us and lead us down the right path for us. And I stopped listening to that for myself. And once I clicked back into that, then... You know, once I, you know, the first thing, the first journey in the book is surrender. And I, I learned how to surrender. For me, I'm a person of faith. And so for me, it's surrendering to God's will. And I, to, and to, and to let God stay in God's business and me stay in my business. You know, so, you know, yeah. <laughs> so funny way of yeah, putting it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, and trusting, and trusting myself that nobody knows what's best for me other than me. And since I'm connected to, to my faith, you know, I know that I'm being directed and really had to circle back around to what do I want to do? How do I want to show up as an entrepreneur? What does that look like for me? Yes, there are, are ways to do things, you know, separate the wheat from the chaff, keep what works for you and, and, and do go, go your own path. And so I, I just so so believe that that trusting ourselves is the path and it's it's so powerful and it just it opens up so much more of the life that you are are put here to live you may get uh, an opportunity may be presented to you that looks wonderful on paper you may uh, you know a job opportunity this promotion you've been wanting here it comes oh my gosh you're going to double your your salary you're going to get this big title and so the brain is like hmm, ding 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 your body but while you're listening to them tell you about the job your stomach might start jumping 
Mm. Your back might go out on you. You might start get a, you know, your, your neck might start hurting or your shoulder or whatever, because your body is saying danger, danger. This sounds good. I'm telling you, this is not the right path for you. <laughs> and, and your brain is like, this is what you want it. Go for it. And so, you know, what do you do? And so it's, it's, it's learning how to key into your, your, uh, your body messaging. And when you are keyed into that, that helps you make decisions for yourself that work for you. Because now that I'm so keyed into my body compass, I will, I, I will change my mind about something that I have done. I'm not in a flaky kind of don't honor commitments kind of way, but in a way that if something no longer is good for me to do, even safe for me to do, then I may cancel it and say, no, I'm not going to do that thing after all, or no, that doesn't, you know, I'm getting messaging that "Mm, that wasn't, it's no longer a good decision or it wasn't a good decision. Maybe I wasn't tuned in when I made the decision. So just, just being very tuned in to what the internal messaging is that you're getting from your brain and your body compass and learning how to marry those two together to make them work for you instead of against you is hugely powerful. I think the other thing that's important is just like you trusted your business coaches, why did you trust them? You trusted them because you, you know, they had some credibility about them yes. and you invested with them, but also because you spent time with them. Yes. So the other thing that I see women do is we'll decide that, okay, I'm going to start listening to myself and you'll try that one time Yes. <laughs> and you'll decide in your head, oh, that didn't work out. So then you go back to what you did before Yes. and maybe it didn't work out. But my question is, how do you know? <laughs> exactly. If you only gave it five well, minutes, okay, so it might have worked in minute six. Yes. And this is what I tell clients. A decision is not a life sentence. A decision is not a life sentence. And we make them like this decision has to, if, if I don't get it right, if I make a mistake, all is lost. No. Pivot. Course correct. <laughs> That's all that it calls for. You have mm-hmm. now you have information. Oh, I thought that was it. Now it's not. Or like you said, maybe I have not given this enough time. You know, I, I love the um the cooking uh analogy or the cooking metaphor because as a cook, I was very I love to cook and I was very recipe driven. And when I say recipe driven, I had to follow the recipe to the letter. Okay. And, yes. And I did that for <laughs> years. Until My mouth is hanging I, open. Yeah. I'm like, we don't usually do that. Yeah, I know. Right. And so then eventually, <laughs> because that's a lack of confidence, that's a lack of confidence. I don't know how to cook this. Whoever wrote this recipe, they know how to cook. So I need to do it exactly. I need to get the exact ingredients. Gotcha. Uh, yeah. And then I, I then I realized I do know how to cook. I can put my stamp on this. Mm-hmm. If I don't have that particular ingredient, what else can I use? Mm-hmm. Let me Reneify this this recipe. <laughs> Reneify? How do you spell Reneify? 
<laughs> I love that, Reneify. And now, okay. yes, and now I'm I'm cooking with gas now. You know, I was like, Ooh. yeah, yes. And but we do, and but that's the way. That's what we do to ourselves. If we think, if we think that we aren't the expert, if we think that we don't, we we don't know. Well, okay, yes, there is a there's there's learning something. And then there's living something. And when, when we are in the learning phase of things, yes, there's a there's a, a protocol for how to do this or that. But then when we start living in it, we change up the recipe. Mm-hmm. You know, we make the recipe ours. So that and that applies to anything. You know, there's rules on how to be married, there's rules on how to raise children, there are rules on all these things. And everybody does it differently. And everybody tries things. Yes. And then to your point, they were not fatal. So then they course corrected yes. and then they tried something different. Exactly. I love that cooking analogy too. Cause <laughs> I'm like, okay. So I never cooked until like five years ago. I had always been told I could not cook. Yes. I don't know how they knew when I didn't do it. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> so now people who knew me when I was younger are like, Wait, you home cook everything? Mm. I was like, I even make my own ketchup and mayo. Don't play oh, with me. I will not. I, love I it. will not stand. But it's a great analogy because I have had some catastrophes in the kitchen. Yes. Sometimes I take pictures and I share with my tribe because I'm not scared. I'm like, ooh, this went terribly wrong. So what did I learn? <laughs> and I send them the picture of the mess. But you know what? I also send them up the picture when things just turned out so well. And I'm always putting my name in the, f- the meals so like spinach l'allegra yeah! <laughs> or, or i made a shrimp salad the other day and i said i had allegrified that's why i giggled when you said <laughs> mayify i was like i said oh look at this shrimp i allegrified there's something magical in trusting yourself and yes yes and there's also something okay about trusting myself and it not turning out that well i have garbage bags <laughs> I know, I know, right? I can try again. Exactly. One, you know, I told you I love quotes. And so one of my favorite quotes is about uh, Thomas Edison creating the light bulb. And, and you know, when you said that about um, being told that you couldn't cook, he was told that he was too stupid to learn anything mm. and um, lost jobs, all this stuff. And so as an inventor, they said he he made a thousand unsuccessful attempts to invent the light bulb. And when a reporter asked them about that and said and, and asked him, well, how did it feel to fail a thousand times? And he said, I didn't fail a thousand times. The light bulb was an invention with 1000 steps. Ooh, I love that. Mm-hmm. So these mistakes, failures, whatever, no, it's just another step in the process. And that, those steps are going to get you to either, well, you know, this isn't, this wasn't the path, this isn't my thing, or those steps will get you to, oh, now I know how to do this. Now I know what works for me in getting to what this thing is. Now I know how to create this. You know, now I know how to be in this. Now I know how to do this. Steps, a thousand steps. Keep stepping. I'm just, I'm just a huge believer in keep <laughs> stepping. <laughs> I love it. And it harkens back to what you said earlier about his first thousand attempts were not wasted. No. That was magical. I just want to put that on a t-shirt. Yes. What you did before was not wasted. It you is now not. have that. 
as a foundation to form whatever it is that is your next. I love that. Yes, it's just as powerful to know what you don't want as it is to know what you do want. Yes. I'm not going to try to read your whole book on this show, but I do have one other question. (laughs) I'm not because people need to go get it. It's on Amazon. It's everywhere. But there was one other story in the book that I, I don't think I said it took me out, but it just grabbed me and shook me a little because you said, and I think I connected with it because I had a similar experience, but you said that after your mom passed suddenly Mm. that you wanted to be much more intentional. Mm. And I wondered in the moment that you were making that decision shortly after your mom passed, what did that look like being more intentional? Because they talk about that. Yes. Yes. Because that look like, what did that look like for you being more intentional? Yeah. You know, because we, you know, we say these things, you know, life is short. Uh, You know, we say all these things about life after my mom died and because she died unexpectedly, it was just totally out of the blue. We had no clue. It, it just shifted everything. It, mm-hmm. it, it shifted everything. And I started thinking about how arbitrary life really is because now ever since my mom has died, I pay attention to death, not in a morbid way, but just mm-hmm. in a, in a, in an awareness way. So I pay it's attention. Different. It is mm-hmm. different. And I pay attention to who dies and who doesn't die, who dies and who gets to live because it is so arbitrary. I, you know, I see people who come through things that absolutely you would say, oh, I know they didn't survive that. And they did. And then I Mm -hmm. see people who are gone and you're, what? How did that happen? Mm -hmm. And you, and and so now, and now because, and you know, I've had people, like I said, I'm a, I'm a woman of faith. And so I've had, um, you know, Christians say, well, you know, Life is not arbitrary. God knows everything that's going to happen. Okay, but I don't because I'm not God. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it appears arbitrary yes, to you. Absolutely. And so in and that, here's the <laughs> other thing. Dealing with someone's passing is very personal. It is. It is. Okay. It is. And so your perspective on it is all that matters. Exactly. And, and so my favorite example of the arbitrariness of life is the Rolling Stones. Look at them. They all look like death warmed over. <laughs> And they wow. are still here. Not only are they still here before COVID, they were still rocking the house, going out on tours and everything. Mm-hmm. So, so you can't, they have lived hard lives of drug, women, all that stuff. And they are still here. So, so, so after, the, after my mom's death, I started thinking, okay, I don't know how many more years I have. What do I want to do with this time? And this was brought to me again with the recent death of Chadwick Both. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. I mean, that just. I think that is weighing on all of us in a way yes, we didn't anticipate. Exactly. I don't know if it's because of 2020, the yes. dumpster fire that is. I don't know if it's because of COVID. I don't know. But that has yes. taken the legs out yes. from that I didn't expect it to. Absolutely. And and a couple of things, and it it, it really brought me back to my mom's death in that, mm. that thing that's just so out of the blue, so unexpected. And my mom died. She was 74 years old. And all the people who knew her, though, would say, wow, she did not live the stereotypical life of a 74 year old woman. And they were just shocked because she was active, vibrant, all of that. And then I look at Chadwick Boseman and at, I think he was 43. 
Yes. And, but, but what he lived in those 43 years, and you talk about being intentional, he would, that, that diagnosis that he got, that he lived with for, I think, four years, Mm -hmm. you know, you know, slowly, but surely deteriorating in body and still doing amazing, amazing things, living fully in his purpose, putting out work that will last for generations. I, you know, so I, I look at that and that intention became for me, what am I really doing with my life? And, and almost a year later after my mom's death is when I left my corporate career because I said, you know, part of that, you know, epiphany of, okay, it's time to end this chapter. It's, God is packing my bags. And my mom's death, you know, really brought it to me that, yeah, I could stay here three more years and, and, and walk out this path that has been set for me by this company. And then I could be dead in three years because I had had a, a, a mini stroke years before my mom's death. And so I, you know, I just, all of that came together for me to say, live now, live now, whatever I can do now, I need to do it now. I don't need to put off anything that I can, and that I'm able to do that I'm, that I'm blessed to be able to do, do it now. What are you waiting for? What am I waiting for? Stop it. Stop it. And so that is how I try to intentionally always reassess. Am I living in the purpose that I believe I was put here? I do believe that, 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 and I I think we all are, you know, we are all people of influence. What's, what, what am I influencing? How am I influence, influencing? Who am I influencing? That I try to stay cognizant of that and aware of that and live in what I believe is my purpose on this planet. And I, I do believe that, that loving to live the, the blessings of this world, this life, there's a lot of things um, wrong with it and bad with it. And, and they are all glaring in our faces right now, <laughs> for sure. Um, and there is a, still a lot of beauty in the world, a lot of opportunity in the world. And I believe as much as possible, we should move toward that light and, and shine that light on as many other people as possible to, to join us in that. And so for me personally, yes, I, 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 I love living life joyfully. In fact, you know, I did the book. I said the book is four journeys. It was supposed to be five, but I'm going to do another book. And the fifth journey is Black women's joy. I want that to be the, the fifth journey because as Black women, we carry so much. We carry so much. As women, we do, but particularly as women of color, we do. And we and, wonder why we're exhausted. I know, I know, <laughs> exactly, exactly. And there's so much for us to be worried about and concerned about. And I, I don't negate that. And I also believe that we get to be joyful too. 
mm-hmm. that we get to walk in joy too, that we get to access moments of joy on a daily basis. And I, I want to explore that and, 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 and have that be the fifth journey. So my intention, yes, is to I'm writing it down is to live <laughs> is to to live as as purposefully and as passionately as possible to live in ways that my mom didn't even believe she could mm. you know she was um a strong woman a, a beautiful woman a a um a woman who would always remind me you are my daughter you are a child of God and you are Barbara's daughter. And I, and I cling to that as a, as a place of power. And I want to live uh, in, in, on her behalf and in my own behalf and, and, and to help as many women as possible live in their own purpose and passion. That, that is my intention. That is my purpose. And that is why I believe I am still breathing on this planet. And so I, I don't want to get sidetracked from that. And anytime I start to veer off, I reel myself back in and remind myself when I start, you know, doubting myself or questioning myself or um, wondering if I'm good enough. Because, yes, I have my moments, too. And then I remind myself who I come from. You know, I come from, you know, my parent, my parents, my dad and my mom were uh, middle class working people who their purpose was to raise me and my sister to be independent women who were who are women of faith and who respected their parents that was their goal and and they did that well and and I want to honor honor them by um showing up in ways that that they they believed that I could do anything, but in ways that, that, that they thought they were kept from. So I want to, I want to, mm. you know, I want to move past their ceilings. That was, you know, that, and I just, and I, I have two nieces and I want them to see that you, that they can be anything, that they can do anything. And, and that um, their old aunt, <laughs> <laughs> is going to is going to keep living life as large as possible and whatever that means for me and whatever it means for you I want other women to do that and define that for themselves and live that every day I would be a fool to try to add anything to that I think that is the perfect um, most powerful way to end this episode. And I thank you so much for everything. And especially for the call on all of our lives to, it was so powerful to hear how your parents gave you this great foundation and how part of what moves you, what motivates you now, as you live with more intention is to go beyond where they thought even they could go. Um, and to uh, give that to the next generation. It is, um, it's breathtaking and it's really powerful. So thank you so much for sharing that. I know everybody who listens to this is going to be like, okay, who, where, how do we get more Renee? So I'm on Facebook. I I am on Facebook, see Renee Washington. And my company is career triage HQ dot 
com and we do want we we believe that women should love their work and so that is that is what our purpose me and my partners Gwen Hall and Tanya Allen we we believe that you should do the work that that lights you up and so if you are in particularly in corporate America we you know we work with companies and we want people to um you know connect to what is that thing that that can support support the life you want to live and and we so we do that through career triage hq thank you so 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 much for being here today i already feel like yes when the fifth book is written yes you just need to go ahead and come back you have an open invitation to come back um i cannot wait to get this into people's ears so they can be transformed by this time that we have spent together thank you so much for being here i appreciate everything that you brought Thank you. And thank you for joining us for this episode. You can get the full show notes at allegrativity.com slash Renee. That's R-E-N-E. And don't forget to visit allegrativity.com slash Q-A to ask your question for our special Q&A episode coming up in just a few weeks. We'll catch you next time.